Live from Los Angeles, it's Rabbi Ara Sherman and Rabbi on the sidelines. We are joined this morning by ESPN on-air personality, in-game and in-studio analyst, Arkansas Razorback, former women's coach of the Arkansas Razorback, and this morning, speaking about his new published book, The Film Doesn't Lie, Evaluating Your Life One Play at a Time, The Intersection of Sports and Faith, Jimmy Dykes. Jimmy, it's so great to have you here on Rabbi on the Sidelines. Man, it's great to be with you. I've I've, uh, listened to some of your stuff. You do really good work. We have some mutual friends. I look forward to visiting with you. Thank you. So we're going to hop right into it and go right to one of your tweets that you went this past week. And you, before I read this book, I knew all about you through basketball. But now, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now your side of faith. And you tweeted this past week, end your day spending 10 minutes on social media, then spend 10 minutes talking to God. You tell me which is more important. Why do you tweet out something like that? Who is the audience to that tweet about focusing not on social media, but really focusing on God? Well, uh, it's an audience of one to start with, because I need to hear that, <laughs> I need to hear that in my own life um, to be reminded of what's what's really important to me. Uh, and I think to my followers on Twitter, I try to be an encouragement to them as well in different ways. I try to tweet more than just about sports or college basketball. I try to use my platform to point people towards a God who loves us, has changed my life. Uh, through the powerful name of Jesus. And I just think it's so easy for all of us right now to just spend so much time with our nose and our phone mm-hmm. on social media. And I've told people before, I said, spend spend 10 minutes on social media and then 10 minutes with God. And you tell me which one makes you feel better, which one has more, you know, more, uh, more, more grip to it on your heart. So uh, I get, I get a lot of interesting responses when I tweet things like that. And then you write this book. This past year, the film doesn't lie. I picked it up because I do love college basketball. I'm from Syracuse, born and bred, and that's just in our blood in Syracuse. And religion and sports have uh, very similar personalities and parallel structures in in that world in upstate New York. But when I opened this book up, all of a sudden, it brought me back to a theology that I wrote back in rabbinical school when the professor asked, compare God to something. And being a college basketball fan, I compared God to a coach. A coach who is blamed for the losses, but when good things happen in gratitude, it's always the players. How do you see that comparison between God as coach, God within the sports world, and then God within our own lives? Do they actually work? Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to read what you wrote about that. I think it's a really good comparison. Um, you know, our, our Heavenly Father, is, is he's, he's so much more than I think we, we realize I think our own selfish, sinless life uh, that we're born with, we are quick to praise God when things are good mm-hmm. and to question God when things we think aren't good. Uh, but God is always good and he's always deserving of our, of our praise and our, and our prayers. Uh, I'm learning that as I get older. I, I still struggle with that at times in my own life. Um, but I think it's a great reminder that uh, God is very much like a coach to us. Uh, he loves us. He cares for us. He's going to discipline us. He's going to put us through stressful times to make us more mature and, and uh, our, our faith to be stronger with him, just like any good coach would do. 
any good coach is going to put their team through some difficult, stressful, uh, pressurized times to have them ready for a game. And that's mm-hmm. different, I think, in how God views us with our with our life. Like uh, just because you've given your life to Christ and and uh, you're trying to walk a path that 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 honors our our Lord and Savior doesn't at all mean our life's going to be easy. Not at all. We're going to be challenged, and our our goal is to meet those challenges in the right way. So we turn on the games at seven o'clock, or I guess four o'clock uh, Western. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, by the way, very difficult when I moved out here to watch college basketball at four o'clock, but that's for another broadcast. <laughs> um, but the uh, the nine o'clock game was an easy one. And in this book, The Film Doesn't Lie, you speak not about what happens during the game, but in fact, the preparation leading up to the game. I've never been in those film rooms before. First, let's go to the basketball side. What is the preparation that is happening with Coach K, with Coach Beheim, with Coach Williams? to really get to that moment of turning on that TV and, and, and watching that game. How important is film study for them? What we see on the court. Yeah, that's, that's really the basis of my book. Um, I take that concept of when coaches are watching film with their players, it's, it can be a very difficult process to work through because the film doesn't lie. It's the title of my book. The film doesn't lie. You see as a player, the good, the bad, the average, all the things just jump out on film right there in front of all your teammates and the coaching staff is doing the uh, correcting and the, and the coaching of the film. But that's also where real growth and real change mm-hmm. takes places for teams and for individuals. Uh, and, it, and every coach studies film a ton. They're watching every game. They're watching practice. They're watching film. Uh, and that's how you get better. And I take that simple sound concept that's proven over and over again in athletics, translate it to our own life and really challenge the readers to, to, to pause and look at their life as a game film and be honest with themselves where they are in their pursuit and their authentic walk with God. So when we watch and what i love about your book is that you spend less speaking about the games on the court but more about the stories and inspirational people that you have met along the way to get to those games one of the people you mentioned is eddie martin who is a former college player at football player at navy tell us about eddie martin how you met him and then why you included a chapter about him in this book in terms of the inspirational story of faith that he has yeah he's a phenomenal guy and uh, I, i met him he was a in his senior year at the Naval Academy, I was actually covering college football at the time, along with college basketball for ESPN. And doing one of the Navy games, we found his story was that he missed his entire senior year because he diagnosed with cancer. A really aggressive form of cancer was attacking his body. And uh, instead of opting out of the Naval Academy and going back home, I think it's from the Miami area, and uh, seeing a specialist, and uh, being in a battle for his life, he chose to stay at the Naval Academy and do all of his treatments there while never missing one minute of anything that was required him as a cadet on that campus. So it's real, uh, a story of, of, of commitment and strength and trust and faith in God that I saw play out in this young man's uh, life in a 30-minute conversation that I stayed in touch with him over, over the years. And he's cancer-free now, doing really well, works at the Pentagon, wow. married with children. But, uh, you know, he, he took that word commitment 
in my eyes to a whole nother level. And I, I love that chapter mm-hmm. because we all think we're committed to something until that, until it gets hard. And then you find out, are, are you really committed? And mm-hmm. that, that's, that story on Eddie Martin sums up the word commitment about as well as I've ever seen. So what would be your message to the youth? Because so many kids come in my office, they're, they're bar mitzvahs and their rites of passage. And they say, you know, what do you want to do? I want to play in the NBA, right? And when we talk about commitment, right? They, they think they're the best until they get to that point where they don't feel that commitment. How do you, in the sports world at least, um, and, and based on your coaching experience and also your broadcasting experience watching the basketball highest level, when do you, when you see a kid, when do you realize that that kid is committed? Well, I think it's, I think it's a continual process. Uh, your commitment as a seventh or eighth grader to a sport probably isn't going to be what it is as a, as a senior in high school. And if you go into college, that commitment is probably going to grow even deeper and deeper. Uh, but, I, but I think you're never too young to start really understanding if you do have goals in your life, then there's going to be a, a sacrifice that has to be made no matter what mm-hmm. that goal is. And if it means enough to you, you'll, you'll, you'll make a commitment and you won't waver from that commitment. Uh, that, that commitment will grow and how you go about the commitment will change. Uh, but the commitment has to always be in place. So now that's either where, where your commitment in, in your faith and your walk mm-hmm. with God or your sport or your relationship with your parents, whatever it is that requires a commitment. Uh, at some point, I think you have to think I'm either in or I'm not. I'm, just, I'm fooling myself. And that goes back to watching the film and questioning yourself and being brutally honest. Am I really committed to what I say I'm committed to? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting. That's what Coach Beheim said. The difference between sports and things outside of sports is you're all in or you're not. He said you either win or lose, and it's different, right? You can pass a test and get an 80%, but if he gets an 80%, he loses as right. opposed to wins. And the same thing also is true uh, with faith as well. Now, you garner and collected advice from, from the best. And one of the best is, of course, Coach K, who will be retiring in this upcoming year. Lots of changing face in the college basketball world. Would love to pick your brain about that. But he said, I quote, you have to have a strong face, even if you don't feel strong. You can speak it into action if you do. You mentioned verse from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. God who guards his, or uh, who says, he who guards his lips guards his life. You're a man of words, both in faith, but also on the court. You bring words to us. How do you then speak? How do our words then lead to action? Have you seen that play out? Well, I think our, our words come from our heart. So guarding your words, to me, begins with guarding your heart and what you allow in your heart, what you allow to grow in your heart. Um, I think it's so important. It's very difficult. But I think we're also told in Proverbs to guard your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not told to guard your heart or my wife's heart or my best friend's heart. I'm instructed from God to guard my heart. That's what I'm responsible Love that. Love that. And I think that's... I think there's a lot of, uh, obviously, truth. I think it's 100% true in our, in our life that we are responsible for what we allow into our heart and to start taking root and start growing. So I think that's a process that we all need to reflect on from time to time, probably more than any of us do, in terms of what what's my heart desiring, what's, what's growing in my heart. Do I have resentment, bitterness, anger, frustration? Uh, thankfulness. Do I have gratitude growing in my heart? If I don't, I need to get it in there and get it and, and, and start taking care of it. So uh, I know you asked me about our lips, but I think it all starts with our heart. <laughs> so let's go to the heart because in Psalms, you also mentioned uh, 
a prayer that we in fact say from the Jewish tradition three times a day. May the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um, why do you think that there's a difference between the words of our heart and the words of our mouth, right? And how does that look like when you're on air, when you're guarding your mouth to the millions that are watching you? What are the power? What do you think about when you're using those words to broadcast, I would say, simply a game, but so much more? Yeah, well, I, I, I pray specifically over every broadcast that I have that my words would not be hurtful or harmful uh, mm. to uh, to my Lord and Savior, that I would, you know, represent him in the right way. Um, and I, I, I pray for that protection over my spoken words when I'm on the air. I'm, I'm learning the importance of praying over my spoken words when I'm not on the air. I mm-hmm. talk about that in the book, that I, I give great attention and detail to my spoken words when I'm on national TV. I'm not quite as good at it when I'm not on national TV. Mm. That, that not, I need to have better balance in my life there. Uh, but I think our words, I know our words are very powerful. Uh, God talks throughout the entire Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, about our, our words and the power of our words and how we need to use them as our as our counter to the attacks of uh, from the enemy. So uh, our if, if I wrote another book, I'd probably be something about the, the power of our words. I'm learning more and more about that. You mean when you write another book? We're excited for that one. <laughs> um, and then when you speak about words, you also reference one of my favorite biblical passages of Elijah really finding God and the famous story of God is not in the thunderstorm. God's not in the earthquake. God's not in the fire. But God in Hebrew, it's called the kol de mamadaka, which means the still small silent voice. Here you are in stadiums, Carrier Dome, 35,000 people, Rupp Arena, all those stadiums doing your thing. Literally, you can't hear yourself. But in those moments, how do you find God? Well, in, in my heart, you know, I, I, the, 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 the peace and the, the, I guess the direction, the guidance, the confidence that I need to do my job, that all comes from him. If I try to muster it up on my own, I, I will fail. Uh, so it's a total dependence on him. I have a responsibility to prepare and do my work and be on time and be a good employee and know the game and study the game and all that. Uh, but I have a confidence in those moments when there's millions of eyes on us on TV and 20 or 30,000 people in the building. I have a peace and a confidence that God has me right where he wants me to be. And therefore I, I don't, I don't fear if, if I know where I'm, God has me where I'm supposed to be. There's no fear involved. I'm interested in asking you about the separation between this faith aspect that we're speaking about and the sports world. Because when I've seen you, heard you in many games, right? This doesn't necessarily come through on the air, right? Is that purposeful? How do you separate that? I've interviewed over the last few months, Dan Schulman, Seth Greenberg, Andy Katz. Dan Schulman said, you know what? My audience, it's an escape from everything. I have a deep faith. He shared amazing stories with me. But at those two hours, I'm talking about Coach K and Williams. I'm talking about Louisville and Syracuse. Are you only separating them externally? Is it on purpose? What is that? What is that mission, and what does that look like? Yeah, I've, uh, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I just know in my broadcast, if you go back and watch, I, I think you do pick up on a tone hmm. of who I am. I hope that points people. Uh, in the direction of God, I, I, I think there's a, 
I think our, our tone that we use probably is very important, sometimes more important than our actual words, our, our attitude, how we say things. Um, I know when I'm traveling on the road, I, I think I live a different lifestyle than maybe what's normal out there. I, there's, nice. there's places I don't go. There's things I don't watch on my TV. I, I put barriers and boundaries around me, and I think those that are around me, they hopefully see that there's a different lifestyle that Jimmy chooses to live than maybe a lot of other people. And then, and that's okay. I just know where God has called me. I know how God has asked me to live my life. So um, every once in a while I'll slip a, a proverb in there or a word yes. in there that's straight from the Bible. And uh, people that are listening closely, they like, ah, I see what he did there. Nice, nice. And you also mentioned Reese Davis. Reese Davis from ESPN wrote the foreword to this book, an amazing book, The Film Doesn't Lie, Evaluating Your Life One Play at a Time. Uh, he writes, at first, I didn't want to listen to Jimmy. I resisted, but God showed me. Um, so it was interesting to see the behind the scenes. I know you spoke about that Duke Louisville moment. Maybe you can bring us to that moment and what that looked like in terms of faith and sports. Yeah, Reese is a, I mean, he's a strong believer. Um, we have a lot of good uh, talks about our Christian walk and we're together. Um, we, we, we did a phenomenal game together a couple of years ago. Duke was down 21 points on the road at Louisville with nine minutes to go and came back and won the game. And the, the, the lesson from that game was the power of our words and how Coach K from Duke handled those moments with his kids in the huddle and what he was saying, even when it looked like there wasn't much hope, uh, how he kind of spoke the, the action before it actually occurred. So, um, I, I think that's uh, those are those are important lessons, and I I have several people that work with me in my profession that are also believers. Uh, we encourage each other a lot. Dave Pash, a terrific play-by-play guy, a really yep. sold-out strong believer as well. There's a lot of them I could list right now, but I think those are important. I don't think we have to. We're not called to separate mm-hmm. our work from our faith or our mm-hmm. friendships from our faith. Our, our, mm-hmm. our faith is real and live and active. It should be touching every point of our uh, every, every point of our life. I love that you say that. Actually, we started a basketball camp here at Sinai Temple, and it's for that reason exactly because people thought they had to leave the synagogue in order to do sports, and they had to leave the sports court in order to do faith and religion. So, no, we can do it at a high level at the same time. And I think that's why we began this podcast finding people in the sports world that had this deep faith that can do it together. Mm-hmm. You also spoke about a Michigan kid, Austin Hatch, who just went through simply tragedy, surviving two plane crashes. And you speak about people having a calling. Tell us about Austin and how he has seen his faith. Um, and then why you write about him as well. Just an amazing story. Yeah, it's an amazing story. He lost both of his parents in, in back-to-back private plane crashes. He survived both of them, which is... <laughs> The, the, the numbers, it's, it's one in, I can't even pronounce how long the number is, the odds of that happening. So obviously God has is not done with Austin Hatch in terms of what he wants to do with him. But it's another lesson in, uh, in, in grit and determination when things don't go your way. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not questioning God, but leaning even closer to him at those times. And trusting that, that, that God is always with you. And he's never going to leave you or forsake you. I think Austin is a good example of that for all of us that we are all going to go through hard times absolutely maybe it's not going to be a plane crash but we are all going to go through really challenging tough times in our life and it's in those moments that we get stressed and that we really find that with god is 
So this year was a very stressful year. You were broadcasting games with nobody in the stands. What does it mean now to have sports back on the American landscape and on the college campus as well? Yeah, it feels back to normal. I mean, I most of my games this year I announced from a studio here in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did maybe eight or ten games actually in person. I think we'll go back to that next year. So it's just a different vibe, a different energy level for sure. Uh, and everyone involved from announcers to officials to coaches, they, they can all feel it. And it's maybe it opened our eyes and a lot of us to mm-hmm. how maybe, maybe we should be more thankful and more grateful that we yes. have the opportunity to go watch sports live. Uh, hopefully we all learn something from that, um, that we can carry forward. So we spoke about the broadcasters, spoke about the coaches, spoke about the fans. What about the players? What do you see on the court, actually really off the court, when you're doing your pregame prep with Faith and players? Is it there? How do they show that um, to their teams or individually? Yeah, I, I, I see examples of that from time to time. Um, those guys are vocal about their faith they're, and, and they live it out. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing is they live out their faith. They probably aren't. They maybe aren't doing some things that other that other student athletes or other students on a campus are doing. They're making a choice to honor God with their life at all times. They're not perfect, but they are they are uh, very intentional about the choices they're making with how they live, how they treat others, how they treat their body, the words they say, uh, their their attendance in uh, church groups or cell groups or leadership groups on campus that are faith based. Uh, they they are different. They they have a different lifestyle about how they're going about their college years, and it and it stands out. They don't have to say anything. Like their life and how they live stands out. And I, I see those stories from time to time. And those young men and young ladies are having an impact on others. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it is it obviously showing right now? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I think down the road, people look back and say there was something about so-and-so on that college campus when I was with them for three or four years uh, that made them different. And I want, I want more and they'll find. Absolutely. Jimmy Dykes, we are so thankful for your time. Author of the new book, the film doesn't lie evaluating your life. One play at a time. So much more than basketball, so much more than sports about God, about faith, about inspiration and about hope. Jimmy, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you uh, and, and when you're out in L.A. broadcasting games here at Sinai Temple, sharing your faith with us. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you so much. Go to CoachJimmyDykes.com to order that book. I sign every one of them, and they get them out pretty on a pretty regular basis. Okay, CoachJimmyDykes.com. I'm going to send mine back because mine was from Amazon, and you're going to sign <laughs> this, and we'll get it right back. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.